Hi, you guys. We are Kate and Cal, just two mamas on a mission to help women get in a daily routine with God's Word. We have seen the power of transparency when we share bits and pieces of our own walks with the Lord and hope that you see Jesus in these unfiltered everyday conversations. We hope you dive headfirst into this community and ask God to move in your life through a daily pursuit of His wisdom and grace. So take a walk, grab a coffee, and put in those headphones as we encourage you in light of the gospel. Can't wait to do this with you. Hey guys, today we are showing you an episode unlike any other Kate and Cal episode we've done before, and we get to interview a super special guest. You're not going to want to miss it, but before we dive in, I wanted to let you guys in on a special announcement. On September 12th, Callie and I are going to do a super fun one-week challenge, and we did one of these this summer, and it was very popular. You guys were begging us for another one as we kind of get into the groove of starting school, so we're doing a one-week challenge. You can find it on our website with all the details. Essentially, we're giving you a five-day Bible reading plan. Um, We're going to be focusing and zoning in on discipline in our mornings and beyond, so we're challenging you to not press the snooze button for five days. Get up and start your day in the Bible. We're going to pair it with five devotionals written by Callie and I on the topic of discipline, And we're going to be checking in with you on a private Instagram page daily for accountability. So you aren't going to want to miss out on this. You can go to our website, click on the tab that says One Week Challenge, and join us from there. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, We have a really special episode. We have the honor of interviewing, having a conversation with the founder of Mama Bear Apologetics, Hilary Ferrer. And we're just so glad you're here with us, Hilary. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed just our behind-the-scenes conversation so far. (laughs) You guys have no idea what it took for us to (laughs) to get here. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, we kind of wanted to kick off with sharing how we got connected with Hillary because it's kind of a crazy story in itself. Um, And I was... I had never heard of Mama Bear Apologetics. I was on a walk with a, a mom friend one day, and she was talking about a podcast that she was listening to and a book that she read, and she had mentioned it briefly said that I would really enjoy it, Um, but we were on a walk, you know, when I don't write things down, I don't remember them, (laughs) and so I kind of brushed it off for a couple weeks, but um, then just shortly after that, a mom from church reached out, and she was putting together a group of women that was going to meet once a week to read through this book called Mama Bear Apologetics, and I was like, okay, God, I get it. You really want me to learn about this apologetics thing, and I had at that time never heard of the word apologetics, so I didn't even know um, what I was getting myself into, but I did have like a really, um, strong passion and just burning inside of me to one, I had a one-year-old daughter. And so I was really wrestling with the question, um, and due to some personal matters in my life at the time, um, having really close people, people to me leaving the faith and really just wondering how can I teach my daughter what we believe? Yes, but even, equally as important. Why do we believe what we believe and really help her develop? And even for myself, it's been a journey over the last year and a half, really diving into why do I believe what I believe and that strong foundation for um, the gospel and all the things that go along with being someone who's living her life for Jesus. And so um, that's, I, I, I joined the group and I loved it and I raved about it to Callie and then fast forward a couple of months after that, we had a message in our Instagram um, from someone who had followed us and kind of been around for a while watching. 
and they were putting on a conference called Roar Like a Mother. And I was like, that sounds familiar because if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. But she was um, hosting this conference at their church for hundreds of women who had read this book. Um, and Hillary was coming to speak. And it was all the way in Pennsylvania. And she had asked Callie and I to come and set up a booth for Kate and Cal just as a resource, as a vendor for the women that were attending. And she asked us to come do that. And immediately I was like, Callie, we have to make this work because this is the girl I've been telling you about. And this is the book I've been telling you about. And so we went and it was amazing. And we got connected with Hillary and she happens to live just down the road from me about an (laughs) hour away. So um, yeah, we're really excited to hear what she has to say today. I'm already way bought into all the wisdom that she has to share um, and the light she's been for, for God's kingdom. So that's kind of how we got connected. Yes. And then ironically, Kate didn't even, I think, didn't even get to meet Hillary at the conference and I did. (laughs) And so I walked over to the booth and chatted with Hillary for a little while. Um, But something that really, there were a few things that stuck out to me at the conference. I feel like ever since the, so the conference was my first experience with Mama Bear Apologetics and Roar Like a Mother and all of those things, um, the Chew Spit Method and everything. And if you have not read Hillary, Hillary's book, I've started, I've been reading it since the conference and it's, um, it's so, so good. So, um, but there were a few things that have really stuck out to me. And even just last week, I was talking to my husband about um, the, the founders effect that you mentioned at the conference mm-hmm. and just how it's so important for us. You know, our, we have a three-year-old and um, it's, getting to that age where it's like, I don't, he's starting to ask questions already about things at three that I'm like, how much do I tell him? How much do I, you know, share? And obviously quick, quick thing real quick, just for people listening, the founder's effect is what I call it, where the first person to introduce you to a concept immediately becomes the expert in your mind forever and ever. Even if you meet other experts, the person who originally introduced it to you, that that's the one that you kind of think of as the expert. Anyway, I just wanted to explain that. Yes. And so my my husband and I were just talking about this. I was like, well, remember at that conference, this is what I learned about the founder's effect. And just it's, it's true too. Like I've even thought back to things in my childhood that I learned that I still am unlearning because that's how I learned it first, or that's, you know, the first way that I heard it. And so um, there's been lots of things that we have been pondering since the conference. Um, But I think one of the big things is that as moms, like we want to teach our kids about Jesus. I think that if you love the Lord and you have children, like that's something that you desire to do, but actually following through and executing on that is something that is very like, it feels like a very heavy and tedious task. Um, And the same with like talking to our friends about Jesus and like, we want to have those conversations. But then when those hard questions come, it's like, well, I don't feel like I have the right answer. And if I say the wrong thing, then then that's really going to, you know, screw things up. And so I'm just not going to talk about this at all. And then going to research it feels like a lot of work. And then having to vet the resources feels like a lot of work. Um, and it's not even just that it feels like a lot of work. It feels like, where am I going to find the time for this? And so before we dive into apologetics, would you mind sharing a little bit about you and how you began Mama Bear Apologetics? Yeah, so just my history with apologetics. I was introduced to apologetics when I was 12 by uh, my pastor from the pulpit. And, you know, growing up in a Christian home and, and, you know, wanting to be a missionary at one point, I even wanted to be a nun. And my mom's like, only Catholics can be nuns. Um, But I knew, like, I wanted to give my life to the Lord. I just didn't know what that looked like. Um, When my pastor went through these apologetic series, one of them was on the reliability of the New Testament documents. One of them was on the resurrection. And one of them was on 
was Jesus who he said he was? Uh, you know, was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he actually the Lord? Uh, it's called the trilemma. It was the first time I realized that I could think objectively about Christianity. It wasn't just something that I grew up with. It's not something that I just believed because I was told to believe it or because this book said it. Um, I could actually look to say, is this book reliable? Because if it's not reliable, then we really shouldn't be trusting what it says. Uh, did Jesus really raise from the dead? Because if he didn't, we should all find a new religion. And so this was the first time that I realized, wow, I can think objectively about this. There's reasons why I'm a Christian. And I would just say that started a lifelong love affair. Not only that, but it basically grounded my faith for mm -hmm. the rest of my life to the point of where uh, it, it's kind of funny how a lot of people say that in order to become a Christian, you have to check your brain at the door. My experience was the exact opposite. I felt like if I were to leave Christianity, I would have to check my brain at the door because mm -hmm. I couldn't unknow what I knew in terms of mm -hmm. evidence for the Christian claims. And I think um, our ability to be really steadfast in the faith is only as it's only going to be as strong as our ability to believe that it's actually true. Mm -hmm. And I say the same thing for our kids. Our kids are only going to be as outspoken and, and solid in their faith as they are in their assurance that it's actually true because our society is trying to tell people that there is no absolute truth. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. And so basically this is like trying to tell kids they need to base their life on an opinion even if people are persecuting them, even if they're calling them hurtful, hate-fit, abusive bigots, which, by the way, that's what our kids are being called. Like, back when I was, you know, in high school, we were the, the you know, the Bible thumpers or the Jesus freaks and, you know, stuff like the goody-goodies. That was even assuming that people knew what good was. We don't even know what good is anymore and to the point of where what is good has become evil and what's evil has become good. And so our kids need to know that there are reasons to believe that this is absolutely true. Because if we really look at the historic Christian faith, it is predicated on the idea that we will face trials and persecutions in this life. Mm -hmm. And unless we're ready for those, unless we're willing to really suffer through those things, which our kids are going to start getting baptized into that in a way we never were, mm -hmm. unless they really truly believe this is absolutely for reals, for reals true, um, they're, they're going to go the, the route of least resistance. They're going to go the easiest route. And then you add in some of the other things like the uh, linguistic theft, which we'll talk about later, uh, where they don't even know what it means to love. They know Jesus said love, but they don't even know what that means. So all of that's kind of a primer to what is apologetics. So classically apologetics comes from the word apologia, which is a Greek word, which means, um, to give a defense. So the early lawyers back in, you know, first, second, third century, they were called apologists because they were giving reasons for their case. And one of the things is like, even though a lot of people don't know what apologetics is or what an apologist is, everybody is an apologist for something. So it doesn't matter if, if you have boys, they will have a favorite athlete and they will give you every statistic possible to tell you why that athlete is objectively the best athlete that ever lived. They're not just saying, oh, just because I feel it. They have reasons. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you have uh, someone like my husband who's really big into music, he will tell you why certain bands are objectively better than other bands. And he'll list, you know, the chord progressions and the different songs and the impact and what they did this thing that was new. He is an apologist for that band. We have some, my mom, <laughs> my mom 
Dawn's a great example. She is an apologist for the instant pot. <laughs> you cannot be in a conversation with her for five minutes before she will find out if you use the Instapot. If you have an Instapot, do you need help getting an Instapot? And here's how the Instapot has made her life easier. And she will have a thousand reasons for it. So we need to just recognize the fact that we are all apologists already. And we're apologists for things that we believe have reasons for um, us basically um, trying to tell the world the benefits or the truth of this thing. Are we apologists for the Christian faith? And that's the question. How true do we believe it is? Why do we believe it's true? What kind of impact do we truly believe the gospel is going to have? If we don't have answers to those questions, if we don't believe that Jesus was a real person who lived a sinless life, who was God in the flesh, who came to the earth, died and rose again for the purpose of paying for our sins, unless we have reasons to believe that, a lot of times we're going to be tempted to be meek and mild and not say anything that we think is going to hurt someone's feelings because everybody's telling us that uh, Christianity has toxic theology. And when you talk about that, it harms me. Mm. So um, this is kind of the culture that we're dealing with right now. So basically an apologist is someone who gives reasons for why they believe what they believe. Now, I would say Mama Bear has taken it in a slightly different direction that I think one of the greatest things about the Christian worldview is it helps you make sense of reality. A worldview is something that sees reality accurately. You can have a good worldview or a bad worldview or, you know, mediocre. But most of the time, it's going to either help you see reality or it's going to hinder you from seeing reality. And I would say a lot of what we do with Mama Bear Apologetics is we're taking the Christian worldview and we're interacting with everyday life and showing how the Christian worldview actually makes sense of reality in a way that... Um, things that are almost true or partial lies don't make sense of reality. They don't actually solve the problems we're trying to solve. They don't explain why things are the way they are, and they really don't point us to any lasting solutions. So I would say that those would be the two prongs. Why do we believe what we believe, and how does what we believe really explain reality to us? And then so before good. we go any further there, can you share with us more about like how you got into Mama Bear Apologetics and sharing. I know you shared that story at the conference about writing mm -hmm. and being like, okay, God, what is this? Yes. So um, I have struggled with insomnia. I don't anymore. Thankfully, I'm on a wonderful <laughs> uh, insomnia <laughs> medication that I'm just like, I'm never going to stop this because it's getting the job done. Um, but, uh, I had a hard time just going to sleep for so long. And sometimes I would just have my mind racing. And in order to, you know, sometimes your mind, it's like if it's something important, it'll just keep chewing on that idea until you put it down somewhere. And so I just had this concept of this phrase, Mama Bear Apologetics, that kept going through my head um, for a couple other, for a couple of different reasons anyway. But I had to sit down and just keep writing it out. And over a course of a week, I just wrote almost like an entire notebook of this ministry. And I think the place where it came from, number one, was I was introduced to... Um, excuse me, um, this woman uh, at my parents' um, Sunday school, my husband and I were asked to come in to kind of help out with questions in the Sunday school. And she kind of got up and told her testimony about raising her children in the faith. And, and you know, they went through Awana, you know, one of them rededicated his life in college. And then his first job outside of college, basically he had someone give one thing against Christianity, mainly that Jesus, Jesus Christ was Santa Claus for adults. And all of a sudden that rocked his world so much that he came back and said, I don't believe in God anymore. 
And so she was like, oh, my gosh, what did we do wrong? How did, how did this happen? And so she would um, say, okay, what are your questions? And then he would go off, you know, back home. And she would study, study, study. She studied apologetics. She studied worldview. She studied philosophy. She studied postmodernism, which she found that postmodernism was probably one of the biggest things that she's like, how has the church not prepared us for this? Um, and so this was something she would never do for herself. Her faith was intact. Her faith was strong. She would never feel the need to go into all these things. And so I, I remember listening to that story and thinking, what is that? I was like, that's like a mama bear that rises up and does whatever needs to be done mm -hmm. in order to protect her children. So that's when I've had the, the, that phrase kind of going through my head. Um, and then later I found out being involved with a, a group for women in apologetics. I'm like, why do we need a special group for women in apologetics? Why can't we just, we all do apologetics. Like, why does it matter? <laughs> Um, but I was made aware that there was a, a large, large demographic of women who wouldn't read a book unless it was written by women for women. And that to me was this huge aha moment of like, oh my gosh, well, who's, who's reaching the women with apologetics? And more importantly than that, who's reaching the moms? Because I came across a study that said the average mom of young kids uh, gets more questions per hour than the Queen of England does in an interview. <laughs> and I thought, who do you think is getting the spiritual questions first? It is mom. She mm -hmm. is like the, the missing apologist in every home. Who is reaching mm -hmm. the moms? Because one of the things I noticed is that every single conference that ever comes to a church always has childcare, except for one type of conference. I never went to an apologetics conference that had childcare. Mm -hmm. And so it was usually predominantly men because men are immediately more drawn to apologetics because it kind of has that reputation of being debate and, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, like that, that, that godly fight, you know, that, that are warrior men, it's mm -hmm. good for them to have a place. Mm -hmm. But, um, so they would come and someone had to watch the kids. So mom would be watching the kids, but mom is still the one getting those questions first. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, um, my friend Mary Jo Sharp, she's noticed that when people ask questions in her apologetics conferences, if it's a man, a lot of times he's asking his own question. If it's a woman, a lot of times she's asking the question on behalf of somebody else. So women already right there have more of an evangelistic uh, purpose for apologetics. And so I said, we we need to get resources for these moms. And so then, you know, that that whole time came where the phrase mama bear apologetics uh, was in my head. And so I really, really thought that the Lord was showing me this to pass it on to somebody else. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that is um, I don't have the um, health that um, it would be wise for my husband and I to have children, not even to adopt. Just um, for anyone who's followed my story, they know they know that I have a lot of health problem, uh, problems. So um, just children, it, it didn't seem like that was in the Lord's plan for us. And so I thought, well, of course, no one's going to listen to me because I'm not a mom. But I really felt the Lord saying, no, this ministry is for you. And the reason I've picked you is that you have something that moms don't have, which is time to research, mm -hmm. which, uh, Callie, that's what you were mentioning, where you're saying it's like, it just feels so overwhelming. It's like, how do you vet the resources? How do you, where do you even start? And mm -hmm. that is kind of what I have tried to do is to, if I can equip moms by doing all that work up front. Um, then that is the best mom that I could possibly be. And that is why I am so passionate about Mama Bear Apologetics is because I am obsessed with equipping moms. Oh, I just love that story. And we are so thankful for yeah. that as well. Trust us. Mm -hmm. um, we started Kate and Cal to help women get into God's word daily. We really saw a need 
um, for women, if we're going to be getting asked these questions and we're going to be responsible with our husbands for raising our children in the faith, we should be in the Bible ourselves first and foremost, and mm-hmm. we need to be knowledgeable about what the Bible says and what truth is. And um, so that's kind of why we started in the first place a year and a half ago. Um, and we have a wide range of people who uh, of people who have read the Bible. So people who are just picking it up for the first time, um, and then women who have been in the Bible almost their whole lives. And so we loved how you explained apologetics in the book, similar to what you what you kind of did just a little bit right there, um, and how you like explain and defend the things in our lives and our faith and our favorite show, like you were saying. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about why is it so important as we are reading God's word and as we are hopefully sharing God's word, um, why are apologetics important in that place? Yeah. So I would say, first of all, there, there's a different, a couple different types of apologetics. There's evidential apologetics and there's cultural apologetics and historical apologetics, philosophical apologetics. I'm going to focus on two, which is kind of the ones I focused on before, which is evidential apologetics and cultural apologetics. So evidential apologetics, one of the biggest things that we want to know right there is, is the Bible that we have um, what was originally written? Because what we're seeing right now, especially in the deconstruction movement, is people, number one, questioning that this, that the Bible really means what it said, what it says, and that this is the Bible that was written and that we can know, um, that we can know with any degree of, um, we're never going to be a hundred percent certain, but we can have confidence that this is what was in the original documents. Um, so in order to have people who are willing to put their lives on the line for the Bible, they need to know that the Bible is worth putting their lives on the line for and their reputations on the line for. And so the next one would be the kind of the cultural apologetics of when we're uh, when we kind of feel confident that the Bible is reliably uh, translated. Um, why does what it says matter? Why is that? Did I say that right? Why does what it say? But anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and that right there, because we're getting all sorts of stuff. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, People, the, just the biblical illiteracy is really, really high right now, which is why I highly, highly applaud y'all for what you're doing. I went and kind of checked out your website and what you're doing, and I just loved it. Um, just encouraging women to get in the word. I find that with as many things that are going around right now about deconstruction and toxic theology and, oh my gosh, my church taught me this and it was totally wrong, so therefore I need to give up Christianity altogether. Mm -hmm. The greatest antidote to bad theology is actually reading the Bible for yourself. Um, It's like everybody just keeps thinking that they're going to rely on the people teaching them, and if the people who are teaching them got it all wrong, then I'm just going to chuck Christianity altogether. Well, being able to look at what the Bible actually says and be able to defend what it says, you have to really understand it in context. So one of the things that I've noticed just with this biblical illiteracy is that people don't know how to interpret scripture. So let's let's put this into a real practical place. Um, I don't know if you've been seeing all the memes since the whole SCOTUS, um, you know, the, the leaking of the documents for what they're going to decide on the, the, the new case that would overturn Roe v. Wade where there have been all these memes where it's talking about, oh, this passage in scripture actually gives you the, um, the prescription for how to do an abortion that's God sanctioned, or here's God aborting children here. Here's God aborting children here. It's like this meme with all these things like God rips open pregnant women here. God rips open pregnant women here. And I had people posting this to me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go and look and see if that actually says what it says. 
And most of the ones about pregnant women being ripped open were people committing war crimes. And it's actually a specific person who's mentioned. But because people see these memes and they don't know how to read the word and they don't know how to defend what scripture actually says, they either think, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, my gosh, does the Bible really say that? They don't even believe that they have the still the skills to go in there, read it for themselves, and then be able to defend, no, this is what the scripture is actually saying. So I would say apologetics isn't even really just a its own study. It's a method of doing everything. Um, to, to, you want to approach everything apologetically, and of course not apologetically as in uh, we're apologizing for things, but apologi apologetically as in this is what the Bible says, this is why it says it, this is what it means, and I can feel fairly certain that I'm smart enough to read this in context. The people who were interpreting a lot of this stuff um, with this abortion debate, it's like some of them are just completely disregarding what it actually says, and even some of the passages that they were mentioning actually teach the exact opposite of what they were claiming that they taught because they were basically committed to an idea. I love how Mike Winger has said this. Sometimes people come to scripture already deciding what it has to say, and then they find a way to make it say it. Mm -hmm. And so as we're doing apologetics, as we're finding reasons, as we're thinking critically through things, this is going to protect us from from false teachers. This is going to protect us from when we're listening to sermons. Like, as you all know, in the chew and spit method that I talk about in the first book, that's not just for cultural stuff. That's for sermons mm -hmm. that sometimes we're going to hear things in sermons that we need to chew and spit through the idea of like, no, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what scripture teaches. Or maybe I need to look into that more. I disagree. Let me make sure that, that I'm interpreting this correctly. We need to have this, this idea of we're not defending, even though a lot of times people equate apologetics with defense. I like to give, I like to equate apologetics with reasons. Why? do I believe this is the correct interpretation? Why do I believe um, these things? And again, that goes back to the evidential apologetics because the evidence points to that. And it goes back to the cultural apologetics. This is how it helps uh, make sense of reality. Love that. This episode is already so good and so much to digest. I know that so many of our listeners are moms of young kids. Like most of us haven't even approached kindergarten yet. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so would you be able to break down some examples of how we as moms of like, really young children can be teaching apologetics to our kids throughout the day at a young age. Mm -hmm. So in the, the book that just came out in October, which is Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, we have some, uh, we have an afterword there that I was going to make it its own chapter, but I decided the chapter we ended on was a really great chapter to end on. So we made it an afterword instead, but it's called things to say to your kids until they want to gag. And uh, it's this idea that we have maxims. It's these little things like here, fill in the blank. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. Exactly. This is a maxim. This is something that you could repeat in your sleep because you've heard it so many times mm -hmm. that we can break down truths in scripture into these little maxims. Um, mm, I like that. And uh, so uh, it, just trying to find... Um, probably some that there you can say there is no such thing as my truth or your truth. There's only the truth. Mm. Um, or the one that my, my small group leader back in high school used to say over and over again, everyone has a right to their own opinion. They don't have the right to their own facts. Mm. Um, or, you know, if we wanted to change it for now, they don't have a right to their own truth. Um, now you can have your own perspective, but let's call it what it is, is perspective. So you could actually, you could say, are we talking about truth or are we talking about perspective? 
being able to. So these are like little bite-sized things that, of course, perspective for less the kindergartner, um, you can maybe say, you know, is this your view or is this truth? You know, you just use more kid language like that. And it's things that you say over and over and over again that when they hear things in culture, that's the phrase that they hear coming through their head. And it's automatically teaching them to think critically. Now, I would say in the in the Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, one of the, the two ones that I love the most are the first two. And that is um, what you do with your body matters. Because I think this is something that our culture has basically said doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want with your body. You can... Uh, decorate it however you want. You can shave it, pluck it, do whatever. You know, it's, it's, there's things that where it's fine. I shave and pluck and stuff. But um, uh, there, there's things that you can do to your body because it's reaching into the idea of, well, now I'm going to change my genitals because I feel like I'm a different gender. Um, or, or you know, I, I love me a good tattoo, but there's some tattoos that are just meant to be shocking and they, they don't bring glory to God. Um and I say that being, you know, a former California girl who loved full sleeves and back tattoos, all that stuff when they had meaning. But it's this idea of what we do with our body matters. And especially for um, for our girls, the way we present ourselves in what we wear, what we do with our body matters. And this goes everywhere into how we take care of our body. You know, why do I have to brush my teeth? Because what you do with your body matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do I have to go to bed right now? Because what we do with our body matters. Well, why does it matter? Maxim number two, because God gave us our bodies to take care of them. Mm. Um, And so this is introducing the concept of stewardship. And this is a huge theme throughout scripture is stewardship. Um, So these are just kind of ways that you can break down apologetics uh, concepts into single phrases that you say so often that your kids automatically fill in the blank. Whenever they hear something that contradicts it, they automatically fill in the blank. Because I guarantee they're getting all these maxims from... Uh, we'll just say from secular culture right now. <laughs> There's a lot of maxims. If you go back to our article uh, about the um, Pride Month slogans, these are the ones that are going through our kids' heads right now over and over and over again to where when it disagrees with scripture, they go back to the maxim. Because as we talk about in the sexuality book, the human brain has a hard time distinguishing between familiarity and truth which means the more times you hear something, the more true it sounds, even if there's no backing for it. Um, for example, I would say this, this idea that your gender identity can be different from your biological sex. It is cited in so many scientific journals, and nobody has an actual study that shows this. It is just an idea that's been said so many times that people take it as gospel truth. And that that concept was just did not exist five, ten years ago. And to, to, to accept it as gospel truth, it's because people have heard it so many times. They've heard it so many times that now it is gospel truth because familiarity is not easily distinguishable from truth. So for little kids, we want to make sure that we're repeating over and over again until those eyes roll back in their head or when they're little, they'll be excited that they can like repeat it. You know, it's when they get older that they roll their eyes. That is how you start doing apologetics with kids is you just keep hammering in the main things that really stuck to us and how you said like going back to god's design really helped kate and i both to just like kate and i are just natural people pleasers and we want to say things that make people feel good and so it was really helpful for us of like that's not necessarily how it's going to be when you're sharing god's word all the time but also like going back to god's design when you don't have the answer instead of feeling so like flustered about what the right answer is but i remember at the conference you talked about like 
pay attention to what your kids are watching and what they're reading. I guarantee there's things in there. And I was like, I have a three-year-old. Like, there. I was watching Daniel Tiger with him yesterday, and Daniel Tiger. And there was they had Love Day, and it was a rainbow-colored cake for Love Day. They had rainbow, yep. like a rain. They made a rainbow on the cake for their Love Day, and mm-hmm. I was like what like what are we i was i was shocked um and so that was just helpful for me to be paying attention to that and thinking about through those things but kate you can go ahead with the next question um yes that is it forever ingrained in my brain was just go back to god's design keep the main thing the main thing Mm -hmm. and so yeah thank you for that blessing at your conference um Obviously, we've talked about your books a lot. If you want to share those official titles, because I feel like for me, that's one of my top resources right now mm-hmm. for um, where to start on all of this. But particularly for busy moms with littles, that's a great resource um, we'd love for you to share a little bit more about. But then also just any other resources that you'd recommend on where to start with all of this. Yeah. So um, the first book is called Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies. And what that is doing is really taking us through this kind of history of idea of when we went from taking absolute truth as being true and coming from God um, to where we are now, where uh, whatever you feel emotionally strongest about is true for you. And the only way to get other people to agree with you is through use of power. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty big um, that's a that's quite a road that we've gone on. And so mm-hmm. it just kind of uh, puts it in order and explains how we went from a to z right there um and so we go into things like um uh what happened when uh the world decided that uh science was the only way to know truth in postmodernism. when we decided well we can't know truth and then moral relativism meaning basically anybody can do what's their truth and then emotionalism of like okay well how i still feel like i need to find truth so is it my emotions do i my emotions point to truth and then pluralism and marxism and feminism all these isms we call them the isms so we go through all of those and i think that'll just kind of help you get a grasp on what's going on in society people say that once they see these things they're like i can't unsee it now and they see it everywhere and all of a sudden all the things they're hearing on the news make sense to them and it's broken down in a very easy to understand way getting the you know the main movers and shakers um, of these different movements giving you a brief history of them and then what are some of the main lies? And then what are some of the things that we can agree with that, you know, what are some some issues that they brought to light that we really need to um, affirm as Christians? Because if all we're doing is pointing out everything wrong with stuff, then I don't think we're seeing things accurately because the most potent lies are always wrapped in partial truths. And so we need to recognize those partial truths first before we start critiquing the lies. Uh, So that would be the first book. Um, And then the second book, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, Empowering Your Kids to uh, Understand and Live Out God's Design. I would say that sexuality is the God of our culture right now. That's the thing that you're not allowed to question the dogma. You are not allowed to speak out against it. We see in places like Canada where people are going to jail for not using the right pronouns or for um, trying to get their kids biblical therapy when it comes to gender and sexuality. Um, this is the God that we're not allowed to question. And so it's going into it. We first give a biblical case for sexuality. I think the church has kind of failed in the sense that we've just kind of had this, well, this is what God said. Don't question it. That's his design. Boom. And so it just kind of turns it into this arbitrary rule that if it's an arbitrary rule, then we're going to want to understand why is it this arbitrary rule? Because it seems to rule everybody's lives. 
why should we believe what the Bible said? And so it actually goes into more of the theology behind it um, of why this is so important. And the fact that I think we have missed how important this is. Uh, I think people have made it really important just because they knew it was, but they didn't understand why. But when you go through scripture and you see what kind of emphasis the, the Bible places on a healthy biblical sexuality, you just, it, it, it becomes a big deal at that point. Um, and it's because if you, if you mess up what sexuality is, you are unable to see God correctly. And that's the thesis of a book called, um, uh, sex and the supremacy of Christ that I really, really internalized when I learned it. And I've seen that play out in a thousand different ways. Um, so in terms of, um, uh, so those are the two books. And we also have a study guide for the first one. We have a discipleship workbook coming out in September for the second one. That's going to go through a lot more real life examples with kids and things to think through in like uh, what we call discipleship opportunities for things that you can do with little kids. Um, so in terms of resources, uh, there's a couple different things that I would recommend. Um, this one just popped in my head, but it's something that I think is so prevalent that, uh, we, we really need to be addressing this with littles. And it's this book called good pictures, bad pictures. Have y'all heard of that one? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Both y'all need to get that. <laughs> uh, so good pictures, bad pictures really introduces kids to the, uh, the concept of when they are accidentally introduced to porn. Because the average age for being introduced to porn is eight, and that's even hardcore porn. Um, a lot of times kids will will access it accidentally earlier. In fact, there are porn sites that will purposely study what the um, what the assignments are in schools, and then they will create fake websites that look like it's taking a kid to research for one of their projects when it's actually a porn site. So mm -hmm. the chances of your kid accidentally coming across this are very, very high. And when they do, they don't really know what to do with it. So I would say good pictures, bad pictures is essential um, for, for all kids. Um, if you are wanting to know some good curriculum for, uh, for kids, uh, especially grades three through five, um, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, she has something called Foundations Worldview Curriculum. And she has some great curricula. Number one is she has just kind of like an intro to apologetics for young kids that has activities, all sorts of things. This would be great to modify for, say, a VBS. Or if you're having an apologetics conference coming through, have childcare and teach your volunteers how to do this. They will be getting apologetics. The kids will be getting apologetics. And the adults attending the conference will be getting apologetics. So she has kind of a basic apologetics. She has a critical thinking curricula, which I would say the number one thing we need to be teaching our kids right now is critical thinking. And that includes knowing how to make an argument. What is a logical fallacy? Um, I would say number one, knowing how to think, knowing what the Bible says and knowing how to think are going to be the two most important things that you can teach your kids right now. Um, let's see. So th those are good. Uh, what are some types of resource? Oh, oh, I know another one. Um, cold case Christianity. So if you're looking something for something for, um, evidential apologetics, I really don't think there's a better resource than cold case Christianity, which is done by a man named Jay Warner Wallace. And, uh, it goes through, I believe the reliability of the new Testament documents. It goes through the resurrection. I think it goes through truth. I can't remember if it does, but I know for a fact it goes through those two. And he has a cold case Christianity for kids. So you can actually be doing 
this book, maybe you and your spouse doing the book together, getting the larger picture things and then going through them with your child. And the thing that makes Jim unique is that he was a cold case, um, cold case investigator. Anyway, he, he was on the police force and he investigated cold cases and he was an atheist. And so he decided one day, you know, to this look at the gospels and he started realizing, wow, these really read like eyewitness testimonies that I've studied. And so he uses all the skills and he teaches you the skills of a detective, which, you know, the cold case Christianity for kids, that's one of the things that, you know, teaching them to be detectives, all kids really like that. Yeah, that's cool. But it really goes through the methodology um, and coming from someone who really didn't want to believe this at first and then was convinced by the evidence. I would say his, his, I cannot recommend his, uh, resource enough. So, so those are some of the basic ones. If y'all have any specific things you have questions about, I'm sure I can tell you a resource for it. I think I actually read the cold case Christianity one as a, as a like adolescent. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the only, those are great resources. Um, I know most of us are probably listening to like podcasts and audiobooks. So I just didn't know if you had any off the top of your head, like good podcasts to be listening to um, besides yours, we will link yours as well. Um, but if not, we can just wrap up from there. So one of the ones that I think goes the most in depth, if you really, really want to understand um, all the evidence for different things and going through scripture, but uh, uh, fair warning, his podcasts are really long. So just make sure you got a lot of laundry to do before you put that on. <laughs> and that is Mike Winger. Okay. Um, Mike Winger has an incredible podcast. He is so detailed in his explanations of th- things and going through the evidence for and the evidence against different things. I would recommend that. Um, if you're wanting to look into things, maybe say surrounding um, critical race theory, I would recommend All the Things podcast, um, and it's done by a girl or girl, a woman named Krista Bontrager and Monique Dasan. And Monique Dasan um, is the the founder of um, Center for Biblical Unity, which is basically taking a lot of the critical race theory. She used to be a very strong critical race theorist. And realizing that this is not compatible with scripture. And so how do we have actual biblical unity? I cannot recommend her resources enough. Um, let me think. The Strong Women podcast has a lot of really great interviews. Um, if you want to just listen to what's going on in the world, and sometimes this might be a little stressful, um, but I would say the Albert Muller Jr. podcast um, uh, I, I went for a long time that he just really deals with current events. Now, there are certain topics that I wholeheartedly disagree with him on. So this is going to be a chew and spit thing. Um, I, I think he is uh, the only thing that I've really found that I'm like, ah, the, the, I, I have to say something if I recommend this podcast is he doesn't seem to really understand um, like counseling and, and, and different therapeutic models in psychology that are outside of biblical counseling. He just thinks they're all wrong unless you're just doing biblical counseling and being someone who has really benefited from things like EMDR to, to process trauma and different things like that. I would just have to say, I disagree with him on that. So if you go into that expecting for him to make comments about that, the way he's able to think through culture is just incredible. Um, so that's, that's just one that I really enjoy. So awesome. again, no, none of these would really be for young kids though. This is really going to be for moms equipping themselves. Awesome. Yeah, that's exactly what we were looking for. Um, Okay, so we will link, uh, for those listening, we will link all of um, Hillary's books and her podcast in the show notes. Um, And we'll also try to run through and link some of these other resources that she has suggested as well. 
Um, but we just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us, Hillary, and for sharing your wisdom. Mm -hmm. If you guys have not read her book or listened to some of her podcasts, there are so many things that you are going to glean from it. The Chew and Spit Method, please go read what that is. It really changed the way that I think about um, things that we are consuming. And so, um, but we just want to say thank you so much, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out with us on today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you would leave us a review wherever it is you are listening from. If you want to join our everyday community that goes through the Bible, reading plans together each month, check out how to get plugged in at our website, kateandcalco.com. Our community is made up of incredible women committed to ditching the excuses and holding each other accountable to getting into God's word daily, even when that looks imperfect. We hope to see you in there.